Welcome to the Latin Wealth Podcast, a podcast dedicated to educating the Latino community about entrepreneurship, investing, and business. Yo, yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode to the Latin Wealth Podcast. I'm super excited about today's conversation and about our guest today because <laughs> she is the CEO and founder of Shop. Latin X, which is the only online lifestyle marketplace exclusive, exclusively featuring Latin X owned designers and brands. And on the website, they got everything from home decor, beauty products, clothing, accessories. Um, so this is a, if you want to support your community, this is definitely the place to go shop. It's an online marketplace uh, with over 30 brands, possibly more. Um, yeah, just just a phenomenal platform that she's created, and we're definitely going to dive into her story, dive into the platform, the marketplace, and some of the steps it took to even build it up. Welcome to the podcast, Brittany Chavez. How are you doing today? I'm doing so well, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm yes. so happy that we finally connected in yeah. IRL. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for for driving out here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I when I first reached out to you, you were transitioning from Portland, Oregon, <laughs> yeah. to 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 New York. Yeah. Um, I would love to know what did you learn about that process, and what did you oh learn about being in Portland? It's funny because I actually lived in Portland for ten years. Wait, really? Did you tell me this? I don't think I did. So just wait. Get, yeah, what yeah. Were you, no, 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 no. <laughs> what okay, were okay. you doing out there? Okay, no. Why were you there for ten years? Okay, okay. So I'll give you a quick, quick. Okay. okay. So I was born. I moved around a lot growing up. Okay. It sounds like you've been everywhere. Everywhere. So all over the West Coast. So I was born in LA. You know, parents were young when they had me. They didn't mm -hmm. want me growing up in that environment. Mm. My grandfather was in Portland, Oregon, before. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Cool. He he was in L.A. as well, but he wanted to get out of L.A. and for some reason they picked Portland. Okay. So, I think around three years old, I ended up moving with my mom to Portland, and then we were there for like ten years. And then on my thirteenth birthday, literally on my thirteenth birthday, mm -hmm. I was in a U-Haul van driving to Sacramento. So this is where our family moved from Portland to Sacramento, and then I stayed there until I was like nineteen. And then I moved back down to Southern California. Okay. Met my wife. And then now we are in Dallas, Texas. Okay. <laughs> so I see, I see it all makes yeah, sense. It makes so sense. for me, wait, what part of LA are you from? So I was living in, I was born in Torrance, but my family's from okay. Inglewood. Okay. Yeah. I have some family in Inglewood. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, similar to you, I was born and raised in LA. And, um, yeah, I always have lived there, all parts, mm -hmm. North Hollywood, mm -hmm. Koreatown, Pomona, um, mm -hmm. and then the last place I was living in was Boyle Heights. Mm -hmm. And this was like during the pan. I moved to Portland, Oregon during the pandemic. And I think for me, I had so much personal stuff going on. Um, and I think Portland was the place for me to really experience like a rebirth. Mm. Um, Is there a reason why you picked Portland? Dude, I was watching like a lot of Portlandia. Okay. You know that show? No. <laughs> it's just like a stupid, like a stupid show. Netflix. But or I was yeah, I was like watching it. And I guess it just made the most sense because they don't want to go east to the desert. Mm. So you know, the bay is too expensive. Mm. And then I'm like, Portland. I've heard good things about Portland. And I really need I think 
in hindsight, I really needed to be in nature. Mm. Um, I really needed to experience a small town and I really needed to be somewhere where I didn't know anyone. And I, again, back to the healing. Mm. So, you know, I, LA became really chaotic for me mm-hmm. and I feel like so much of myself is spread throughout the entire county and I just needed like a fresh start mm-hmm. and Portland was that for me and then I had received venture capital funding and this was the first time ever in my life where I got to have my own apartment that mm-hmm. I was like really proud of that I got to like decorate and I got to experience myself not being no longer being in survival mode mm-hmm. Um, I got a weekly therapy, sometimes mm. twice a week. I did healing ceremonies. I met friends. Mm. I think in LA, it was a little hard for me to make yeah. friends. Um, from my experience, it was like a bit transactional and mm. it was so hard for me to keep up. Mm-hmm. Um, where in Portland, it felt like, it was like the first time I really even experienced like, like sisterhood. You mm. know what I mean? And... You know, even after work, I would like drive into the forest Mm. and I would like, I became like a tree hugger. Cause you know, LA, like it's mostly like palm trees. And even, even like, not to cut you off. No, you're fine. I think it's more than, I think it's the mindset. You know what I'm saying? It's like two completely different, it's obviously two completely different states, but like two completely different mindsets and worlds. You know, living from, even me living in Portland. Um, moving to Sacramento and Southern California, it's just all different perspectives yeah. and mindsets. So that's, yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. Portland really held me during a time where I really needed to be held. Mm-hmm. And I think I couldn't have the gratitude, like I couldn't have made it in New York without mm-hmm. spending time in mm-hmm. Portland. So I'm like forever grateful for that period, but I'm also happy to yeah. now be in, in New York. Yeah, it yeah. feels really good. The diversity is something that yeah, I really—it's it's unmatched out here. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's—it's it's something that I really craved and missed for some time, mm-hmm. especially over the last uh, two years that I was out in Portland. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's good. It's all about it. Um, it's all a part of the process, you know. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I know I can definitely relate to, you know, when I was in Sacramento and I left when I was nineteen. I kind of felt like. I just needed a new experience and a new start yeah. like yourself, you know what I'm saying? And just, I felt like I was kind of in a box there and it was mm-hmm. time for me to break out of that box and I ended up moving to like the IE area, like Fontana, Rancho, yes. that area. That's where I was at. Okay. Um, that's where I met my wife. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. IE love story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I can definitely relate to you with the, the diversity in Portland, mm-hmm. um, you know, growing up, especially like early early 2000s mm-hmm. there wasn't very many of mm-hmm. us out there at all so mm-hmm. we dealt with like a lot of trauma but um recently we went back and we had a family member that passed away and we went out there and just just going outside and walking around out there like i had that appreciation for like man this is a beautiful place you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying just the the environment the weather um, the trees, it's just, you yeah. don't get this in Dallas necessarily. You don't really get it in LA or the IE especially. Yeah. So I feel you on that. Like definitely was appreciative of that. 1,000%. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, if you, if you don't mind, I would love to like dive into a little bit of your upbringing, your, your story a little bit. I mean, you just kind of gave us half mm-hmm. of it, but I'd love for you to talk to us about, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. similar to you, I'm a product of like really young parents. Mm-hmm. My mom was 17 when she 
got pregnant and then 18 when she had me like a month after her 18th birthday. That's where hold on, hold on, I got it. That's crazy. So my mom was 17 when she had me and the next day she turned 18. Stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude. Yeah, that's crazy. And I just feel like my relationship with my mom has been such a journey mm. because you and I grew up with our moms. Mm -hmm. Like we watched our moms grow up. You know what I mean? And right. she's a totally different person now than she was, obviously, when she was 18. And I see her outside of, like, the mother role. And I, I have more compassion and grace and understanding. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think a majority of my upbringing revolved around me growing up with a young mother. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we um, – so we first lived in an apartment complex in um, – Koreatown off Beverly and Normandy. Um, my, she's Guatemalan. My dad's Nicaraguense. Mm. And then I ended up moving to the Valley. Um, and yeah, growing up in LA, I think, you know, I had a really great upbringing for the most part. I was like a musical theater kid mm. in the Valley. Like all my friends were little like Nickelodeon kids. <laughs> yeah. You know, like Miley Cyrus went to our prom. Really? Like it was very... Okay. Um, you know, my mom and I lived in a, in a like a one bedroom apartment in the valley, but then all my friends were like, their parents were like producers that lived in like Encino, mm. you know, it was really interesting. Um, and I think because of that, when it came to like my culture and my Latina upbringing, that was something that I kind of like pushed under the rug, you know, and I feel like I was like extremely Americanized mm. and, um, you know, I just really wanted to fit in, mm -hmm. you know, um, and yeah, that, that was kind of my upbringing. And then my dad, he was in my life until I was around like 14, mm -hmm. 13. And he and I were very, very close. Mm -hmm. um, and then unfortunately, you know, he and I haven't spoken in like, mm -hmm. I want to say like seven years. Yeah. Um, he's, he was off doing his thing, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. So that, so I think you add that to the, to the list and mm -hmm. then out comes like a rebellious 19-year-old. Yeah. And... For 10 years, I think I was just trying to find my way yeah, and navigate way. L.A. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I think that's when I'm like, yo, I need to get out. Mm. Portland. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. I love that. <laughs> so that, that's a quick summary yeah. of my upbringing and, like, growing up in L.A. I love it. Um, I now have – so my mom actually got remarried, and then I have two little brothers. Mm. Um, one's 11, and the other one's 8. And yeah, my brothers and I, we have like an over 20 year age gap, but mm -hmm. they're kids that I'm like so close to. So that's really cool too, is just like, I think through them, my mom mm -hmm. and I's relationship really healed. And she's like now one of my best friends. Mm -hmm. And I think my life really took a turn when my brother was born because I was like, wow, like I have a kid who looks up to me now. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of like the kick in my ass for me to make something of myself. Mm. And so that was the journey to me also, um, you know, founding Shopbot Next. Mm -hmm. I was gonna say, first off, thank you for being so transparent. Oh like, yeah. That, that means a lot. Um, so you you said, you know, once you had your brother, this was like an eye opener for you, like to make something out of yourself. Yes. Right? So. I loved for you to walk us through how you founded Shop Latinx and where did this idea come from and what was the inspiration behind it? Yeah, so this was in 2016. Mind you, like growing up even in my 20s, like 
I went to Cal Poly Pomona mm -hmm. and I majored in communication with an emphasis in journalism, but then I ended up getting kicked out of the school for having a really low GPA. Mm -hmm. And then I was working like a lot of jobs, like in retail, like as a sales associate at like Nordstrom, um, a few other places. Mm -hmm. And then I started working like random gigs. So I got into like, I was like a bud tender. So it's mm. like a, like yeah. selling, I was a weed shop girl. Yeah, yeah. And then I, um, I got an internship at like a record label and I thought that I wanted to work in music, mm. but then I saw that there was like a glass ceiling and then that's when Uber came to LA and I became like an Uber driver. What year was this, like 2016? 2015, 2016, yeah. yeah. And during that time to incentivize riders, they were paying us like 30 to $50 an hour. So I'm mm. like, I have this Prius, I want my autonomy, I'm, I still need to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like driving everywhere and then I became a nanny. So I was just like- Doing whatever. Doing, <laughs> doing what I had to yeah. do and like figuring it out. And so now fast forward to 2016, I had worked um, like a wildly long Uber shift and I got home, I was like renting a room in Burbank, California and I got in my room and I remember coming across like a lot of like um, listicles and articles mm -hmm. for black owned brands, woman owned brands and so I opened my laptop and I remember typing in like, oh like what Latino owned brands can I support? And I thought that there would be something, you know, like how mm -hmm. Cosmopolitan yep. or like Allure have like listicles. I'm like, here's the top. And there was like nothing. There was like absolutely nothing. And I'm like, that's weird. And then I came across an article that said that we have at the time $1.3 trillion in annual buying power in mm -hmm. the United States alone. Now it's $1.7 trillion in annual buying power. So I had, I put two and two together and I was just like, well, we have so much buying power and we're loyal to these companies, mm. you know, wow. but like, where's, is there not like a platform that, yeah, yeah. you know, we can, at the time I was, you know, that we can circulate our money back into, um, you know, people that, that authentically represent us mm -hmm. and like see us. And so that's when the Instagram account kind of came to life. And it was really me just scouring Instagram and mm -hmm. leveraging social to find these like little shops and brand owners whose products really resonated with me. And then I, what I came to find out is like it resonated with so many other people. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was just kind of running this Instagram account for a few years. Um, I was still an Uber driver. I was still a nanny. But I saw that like, you know, we amassed tens of thousands of followers and mm. supporters. And what I loved about Shop Latinx is that it was a way for me to connect with other mm. Latinas in a way that I never had before. You know, mm. similar to like a photographer with his camera, like yeah. that camera is what facilitates that human connection. You know, so for me, I was leveraging what I had created to yeah. like selfishly build my community in a way that like, I've never had before, mm -hmm. you know, and I, that's something that I always craved growing up. Um, and this was the first time that I even, I myself like felt really seen through, you know, talking to, to other men mm -hmm. and women and hearing their stories and then kind of being a vessel to see like how I can help, you know, and I noticed yeah. that I would post a brand and their, and a specific product and I would describe the product and then, 
you know, because we had already built that trust from our community, like that brand would get so yeah. many sales because we just shouted them out. Mm -hmm. And it didn't cost me any money to do that, you know. And then over time, it was crazy because I remember having a conversation with my mom. Um, this was when I had my own apartment in Boyle Heights and I had like a panic attack with her on the phone mm. and I, I was struggling to make rent. So mm. I, I couldn't make rent. And my mom was like, Brittany, please, like just a concerned mother, you know, Brittany, please get a job. You know, it seems like Shop Latinx is really stressing you out. You give so much of yourself to Shop Latinx, but you're not making any money off of this. And please just get a job. You need, you need health insurance. Mm. You need this, that, and the third. And even at my lowest, mm. in my head, I was like, Shop Latinx is going to take me to where I need to go. Mm. I just need to trust the process, mm. you know, because, and I need to bet on myself because no one's going to give me a high paying job. Mm. I probably given my resume only qualify for like an entry level position, but with shop Latinx, I had just learned about the world of VC and I'm like, mm. and we're, I'm tar you know, I know the statistics of this consumer, no one's talking to them in the way that I am. You know, there's an opportunity for me to turn this into a venture-backed company. Yeah, yeah. It sounded crazy at the time. You know, I didn't have a, you know, by mm. this time my car had been totaled. Mm. Um, so I couldn't drive for Uber. I think I was living off like the mm -hmm. car settlement, which mm -hmm. was like $12,000. And then I took out a shark loan that like I never repaid. Mm. So maybe that was like $20,000 that I had. Um, and it was just slowly getting spent yeah, yeah. you know my, my my relationship with finances mm -hmm. it was just i was just draining it was just all going down the drain you know but i i was listening to a lot of podcasts i had learned about the world of tech i saw this like latinos in tech summit so i'm like i can be like that could be me mm -hmm. you know and i mean yeah that that was really the beginning of shop latinx so you said a couple of things in there. First off, you know, initially Shop Latinx was a platform where you just cultivate other Latinos that had products that had maybe just products or services or both. If, at the time, it was both. It was both. Okay. Mm -hmm. So just like giving them a platform, bringing everybody yeah. together, which is phenomenal because um, even though you guys are doing a phenomenal job, we still need like in our space it's hard for me to find Latino entrepreneurs. Like I have to really dig deep on mm -hmm. Instagram to find, you know what I'm saying, us. And they're definitely out there. It's just like, man, what if we had a platform that brought all of, all of us together? Yeah. Right? Um, but something else you also said is you said even at your lowest, you still had that belief in yourself that this is going to take me where I need to be. Where did that belief come from? Is it just the passion that you're putting into it? Was it because... You're putting so much time. You're like, no, this thing is going to work. And I mean, you're doing it for so long. There's, there's like a, a silver lining between like, man, should I pivot? Should I quit? Should I do something else? But it seems like you never had those thoughts. You know, where did that confidence come from? I think it maybe at the time it was like even a tinge of desperation. Mm. But then also it's like, this shit is brilliant. You know what I mean? Yeah. I talked, I tell people about it. I used to pitch to people in the Uber and tell them to follow me. 
mm-hmm. on on the Instagram. Oh, account. in the Uber. Yeah, in the Uber. <laughs> like they come in and I yeah. like pitch to them yeah. and. I just knew, like, I, I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, this is brilliant. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, look at the numbers. Look at the statistics, you know? And then also, com- you know, our spending power combined with we're the fastest growing demographic in the United States combined with um, Lat- Latinx entrepreneurship is, like, rising mm-hmm. astronomically year over year. Like, that's the entire – and mm-hmm. given that I'm, you know, B2B, B2C, mm-hmm. like – both sides of the marketplace, like we're good, you know, mm-hmm. is on lock. And then we have the com- the audience and all three is growing mm-hmm. so quickly. And I know how to speak to them and mm-hmm. I know how to target them authentically. You know what I mean? And I'm like, it, like, why wouldn't it work? Mm-hmm. Like that's, I just need to, what I need to do is put myself in a position to be a student, mm-hmm. you know, and to absorb all this information to be able to provide an experience that people want to support and that people want to pay for. Mm. And once I figure that out, I'll be successful. So when was the t- turning point for you? That was What was like the point where you started to, like you weren't at the bottom no more and you started to work your way up? Um, obviously at this point you got tens of thousands of followers. Yeah. You're like, you can do something with this. You believe in it. So what was that turning point for you? You're starting to learn more about VC, which is venture capital. Uh, what was that point for you? So I'd gotten into this um, accelerator program in Los Angeles called Grid 110. And that's mm. when, mind you, like I've always been done really poorly in school, like academically. But now I'm looking back and it's because like that shit was fucking whack. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what I, I mean? Just... Like I don't, you expect yeah. me to like sit down for eight hours and like care about Something fucking you don't care Shakespeare? About. I don't know. Like, yeah. And so when I got into this program and I got to, you know, really dig into the business model and the business that I've created and I'm so passionate about, and then at the end of the three months we do a pitch day, um, I think that was the biggest turning point for me and that really helped me with my confidence, you know, learning about, I felt like I was in business school, you know, and... um, So those accelerated, hold that thought, Um, mm -hmm. how, where can people find these programs at, like what... How do you get in these programs? Yeah, so um, I would say just do your research online, but also too, I mean, now I, I feel like there's so many mm. accelerators. There's like Sephora, Target. Mm. Um, I've been I've been in a few. Um, there's so many out there. Mm. You so know, these programs. Walk us through what these programs and what, like what's inside these programs. So there is a curriculum, like a three month curriculum. Some so. There's some for a like early stage, medium stage, and maybe like a later stage. So the first one I was in is like identifying the problem, the solution, the business model, the target audience. Um, you know, like how much do you think you need to raise mm. in venture capital? Um, kind of like you're, you're honing on your founder story all of that good stuff. And then mm. you have that information so that you can create um, an investor deck or like mm. a pitch deck. A pitch deck, yeah. Um, yeah. A pitch deck and an investor deck are a little bit different. Okay. And then you would have like a pitch day where you present all of your findings and it's kind of like Shark Tank style. Mm. And then, yeah, you would pitch to your teammates and, you know, investors or people, anyone that's invited. And then I was in... Um, another accelerator program last year that gave me $150 in investment in exchange for some equity. 
and it's with one of the biggest VC firms called Andreessen. $150? I mean, I mean 150000 Okay, I was like... <laughs> I was like, I'll give no, you that. I'll, I'll give, give you that, that right 150. <laughs> um, so yeah, $150,000 in exchange for, uh, for some equity. Mm. And then it's six months of like, they will introduce you to like um, the VP of wow. Sephora at Kohl's. They'll have re real retail experts. Okay, you created this high level financial model. Like, let's get into the numbers. You know what I mean? They'll, you know, a, a, what's, you know, they'll teach you about five-year projections, mm -hmm. you know, and they'll have like, industry experts come on to these zoom sessions and um teach you like mm -hmm. really get into the weeds with you you know like okay fine great you you've got your business you've got some capital now how are we going to take you to the next level where you're ready for your next stage of investment mm -hmm. right so within venture capital you have you know it starts with friends and family angel round you know i had to skip that because you know you, got it. We, they, you know, they don't have it, you know, and then you have pre-seed, seed, series A, B, C, D, E, whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like where the Ubers, the mm -hmm. Airbnbs, and mm -hmm. then the goal for a startup is to either get acquired or to go public. Mm -hmm. And those are the only ways, two ways that investors can make their returns. So Acquired by another company? Correct. And then going public because you're selling shares to the public and correct. Got it. And those are the only ways that like investors and their LPs can make a return on their investment. And um, so yeah, that's that's their alpha shop. Linux is going now. So you said that's the only way. I thought they would get like a percentage of your revenue or something like that. They can't make their money back that way. Um, that's not typically how it works via venture capital. I have heard of that when it comes to like revenue share, and I, I've seen that on Shark Tank. But that's that's not typically the norm. Mm -hmm. um, investors are looking for like high return, like twenty mm -hmm. x returns, and I believe maybe that's the only way that you know yeah, through that, no, acquisition. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, wow. So yeah, I mean, it's been a crazy journey. Mm -hmm. um, and to answer, yeah, to answer the question, it my my life really started to change once I got into mm -hmm. that accelerator program, and then of course when I raised my first million dollars. So let's talk about that. That was yeah. one of the things I wanted to jump into. Um, did you raise that all at once over a course of a period of time, um, and how did you prepare for that? These are really great questions, by the way. <laughs> so. In the beginning, I raised $700,000. Mm. Um, that round was led by Precursor Ventures um, and the partner of that fund. Um, his name is Charles Hudson. He's amazing. And so I raised $700,000. Mm. And then a year later, Charles reinvested and gave me an additional $300,000. Mm. Um, so that investment came from him summer of last year and so that's what totaled the million dollars mm, mm. um so that's that's how that worked and then was how did i prepare for that um i didn't mm. prior to getting that million dollars in my or the seven hundred thousand in it's my like, bank how account how do you prepare for that how do you prepare <laughs> for it you know what i mean mm. and I mean, during that time I was on EBT and I was on unemployment mm. because of the recession. And then before that, I told you I was like living off some money that I had mm. gotten in an accident accident yeah, settlement. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, and I've never even, I don't think I ever had more than like $3,000 in my bank account, maybe one time in mm. my life, you know. Mm. Um, 
so I, I think that's why I needed to move to Portland. Mm -hmm. I think I had a freak out. Mm -hmm. um, when that money was in my bank account, it's not like overnight. I'm like, oh, yeah, like I, I know what to do. It actually exposed me to a lot of financial trauma that I didn't mm -hmm. know I had. Yeah. So I was either friv frivolously spending money and not looking at the bank account or I, it, it honestly felt like a blur. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm so grateful for this experience mm -hmm. because I really had a lot of healing to do in the last year and a half. And that money that went into my bank account really just like set it off. Mm -hmm. It was like, and let the games begin, bitch. Like you're gonna have mm -hmm. to go to therapy now. Wow. Wow. So it, the reason why I'm saying wow is because, so you're saying all that money hit your account. Most people would think this would solve all my issues and all my problems, but this kind of- Exposed my issues. Exposed. And that's crazy because, uh, I mean, let's just be real. People from our community, you talk about relationship with money. We don't have good relationships with money, right? It's like there's trauma t attached to it, right? And um, it's just, man, I'm just looking at the self-awareness for you to be like, I need to go to therapy to like figure out these these issues I have before I start spending. Maybe you started spending it before, I don't know. But um, man, just the self-awareness. And it's just crazy that you said it kind of opened it up, right? Um, so, so you get the money. Did you spend any of it or did you go directly into therapy? Start healing um, yourself. So it was already, I think, in therapy a couple months before mm -hmm. I got the investment. Got you, got you. And when the money hit my account, I think, so the day that I that I announced the raise, mm -hmm. um, I was like really depressed. Mm -hmm. And I think... I just felt this like weight on my back, mm. like, mm -hmm. you know, I gotta make this work. And I and work. I think this fear arose that like I I gotta I I need to be successful and this is my I just thought that this was my one shot. Like this is my one shot to to make something of myself because mm. if I don't, mm -hmm. like I'm gonna be back I'm gonna go back to where I came from. Mm -hmm. Is making you emotional, no, or like no, no. I'm yeah. gonna have to like drive for Uber again, mm -hmm. or like I'm gonna have to. There was a period where, mm -hmm. um, so my car got totaled, and then I had to before I moved to Boyle Heights. There was mm -hmm. this in between period where like I had to live with my mom, um, in Pomona, and there was like no room for me. But they tried to make room, and mm -hmm. I had like a twin bed in my brother's playroom, which used to be like my old room, mm -hmm. and I was like surrounded by toys. Mm -hmm. And I remember I turned the room I, I like put a desk in the room and I was just like learning about venture capital mm. like I wish I had a picture of it because yeah. I'm like that's like my Steve Jobs like that in the Steve basement the yeah, in, yeah, in the garage yeah. mm -hmm. era and I just remember like talking to VCs outside like circling around my mom's pool like aimlessly and my little brothers like on their bikes like like nah, 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 you yeah, know and yeah. I'm like shh like I'm on the phone with a with an investor you know <laughs> and my mom's like Brittany like dinner's ready yeah. and I'm like sorry like you know having to put and so that was like a, a wild time for me I don't know where I'm going with this no, I hear you. but you feel me and so what I'm trying to say is we're talking about the the, the money mm-hmm so the day you you posted the 
that you were you raised the money you were kind of you're feeling depressed i was feeling depressed yeah yes so i yes so with the money i felt like i'm nothing and i mm -hmm. felt like i started to associate like my worth my self-worth with mm. like how successful shop what next is mm. and i think like once i made my race public i'm like oh my gosh all eyes are on me like the pressure is on you know mm. and i became super harsh with myself and i was just like my own worst critic mm. yeah yeah no i hear you i was just gonna say um you know, I go to therapy as well, and something my therapist, because I'm very tough on myself. Like, I'm super competitive with myself. You know, I want to win. I want to make what we're doing right now work. And my therapist is like, yo, you got to be nicer to yourself. Like, mm. what? when's the last time you said something nice about yourself, right? And I'm like, damn, it's, it's like, it's been a minute. Like, when's the last time you celebrated your little wins? Mm. And it's just like, I, I don't be doing that. You know what I'm saying? So... Um, that's something that even this year I'm working on, you know what I'm saying? Like the last interview I had, um, I was like telling them when I go back home after New York, I'm going to be, I'm going to celebrate this. And like, you did that, you know what I'm saying? Figuring out all these logistics and whatnot, getting mm. the guests here. These are little wins that you should definitely celebrate, you know? And yeah, that's just something I'm working on. Dude, you know? one, 1,000%, 1, you know, you know, what's crazy that's, helped me a lot is like those little Instagram story memories. Mm -hmm. And so the woman that runs my social or shop Latinx's socials, she sent me this memory of me, I guess it was like last week, three years ago, I did like a really cool Nike campaign. Mm. Um, and it went public like at the, all the Nike stores, all of that. And I was like, just telling my story. And she was like, oh my gosh, like you did this. And I'm like, oh yeah like wasn't I supposed to you know or like I think you know even when I when I'm you know featured in an mm -hmm. article or mm -hmm. in in a certain publication I'm like isn't that what I'm supposed to do mm -hmm. instead of thinking like instead of just like celebrating yeah, it you know and recognizing moment. how like amazing it is to be seen for your accomplishments and like that journalist reached out to you because she thought you were worthy of like being mm -hmm. your story being heard you know and written out yeah. and like published amazing you know what i mean yeah. and i think that we don't do that enough like sure. this journey is very special and it's rare for a lot of people and, it and goes, it's it something goes. that so many people in our community aspire to mm -hmm. you know do themselves mm -hmm. and I, I don't, yeah, we take it too much for granted. And I would just, I, I think now, similar to you, like, I'm, I'm not, I refuse for Shop Latinx to stress me out in the way that it mm -hmm. did last year. Actually, mm -hmm. it didn't. I, t I take responsibility. Yeah. It didn't do anything. <laughs> it just <laughs> it's stood like I'm just there. Here. I'm just here, yeah. and it was me that I was crossing my own boundaries with mm -hmm. my company. Um, you know, and to me, that looks like, you know, working past a certain time. Like now I don't work more than like five hours a day. So I, I want to question you about that because I 100% I agree with you that we should have boundaries. But is there ever a thought like if I didn't cross those boundaries, would I still be here? 
would I have gotten as far as Damn. I should have? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and um, I mean, I heard the only reason why I asked is because I've heard this. I think my therapist tells me this. And she's like, "What's for you shall not pass you." But in my and I believe that. But in my head, I'm also like, "But now I got to go extra hard to get where I need to be." So, have you ever thought about that? Or I mean, now I am. <laughs> But I think now that I'm I'm thinking about it, and this is me like real time processing. Yeah. I honestly think I may have. I have no regrets for the journey. But, I think Shop Latinx may have been further along, mm. because, I feel like, I was just ramming my head through a wall, mm. without taking the time to sit and think mm -hmm. and talk to people and be inspired. And I think I wasted, no, I spent a lot of time trying to execute on things that had I just asked around mm -hmm. or did some more research mm -hmm. or fucking took a break mm -hmm. and went to sleep mm -hmm. and really thought about it some more. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have had spend so much money or time on it. Mm. So, yeah, I think in hindsight, like, even last year I had to take, like, a two-month break mm -hmm. to really recalibrate from the burnout that I had caused mm -hmm. myself. Yeah. You know? So yeah, I think if I if I had made boundaries sooner, mm -hmm. even with myself and relationships, you know, I'm sure that there would have been people in my life that mm -hmm. would be put in their place with respect to me. Yeah, 100%. Um, that's a good question. No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's interesting to think about because, so... I like I like to bring up sports because I'm a big sports okay. guy. One of my favorite athletes of all time, recipes, Kobe Bryant, mm. and like I all his books, videos, I've like I study them, and he's just a case of an extreme winner, you know. And he's he was willing to go past any type of boundaries to achieve success, right? So I look at that like man, like you gotta go for it like that, but also. When do I know when to set those boundaries, right? When do I know to just chill out Saturday and Sunday, hang out with my wife? You know what I'm saying? So I think even us talking about it right now, I'm still working through it, to be honest. Or maybe it's about, like, finding a healthy balance. Mm -hmm. you know but that's what, what I'm mean? saying. Is there a balance? If, you, if you're trying to achieve something so great as, like, what you're trying to do and what I'm trying to do, is there really balance? Because you're going to have to extend yourself to some point. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yes. If you think about anybody that's done something great, they had to sacrifice and bend over at some point to get there, right? I, I believe, I could be wrong, you can challenge me on this, but I believe anybody that did something great really had to push themselves to like the limit of, you know, whatever the case is, uh, emotional breakdown, depression, you know. Um, I've, I've seen people like almost lose their marriage, for them just try to achieve something, right? And I, I don't know if I suggest doing that for everybody, but in my experience, the people that hit these amazing milestones and achieve greatness, they they got to sacrifice a lot. Like you mentioned uh, Steve Jobs earlier. Like mm -hmm. 
I can only imagine what he had to go through to for all of us to have cell phones in our pockets, you mm. know? So it's it's something interesting to think about, and I always go back and forth with the two, to be honest. I mean, that's that's a valid, like, internal conflict to have, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I think for me, where I am in my journey is, like... Mm-hmm. I think that's the key right there. I think you just said it. Like, where are you at with your journey? Don't it don't matter what everybody else is doing. It don't matter what Steve Jobs, Kobe did. What? Ooh, yeah. Like you're not Kobe. You're not Steve Jobs. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, if that's what Kobe wants to do, and if that's how he defines success, that is how he defines success. Mm-hmm. You know, like you and I need to. My success looks different to you than you. You 100%. know, like what success looks like to me now is like peace of mind, mm-hmm. um, freedom. Mm. You know, travel, mm-hmm. um, love, mm. you know, and like rest. Mm-hmm. Like that is success yeah. to me, mm-hmm. you know, and that can be different to you. And I'm sure the way that I be napping and like sleeping and working from bed, Kobe Bryant would look at me and be like, yo, like get the fuck up. Like run, like <laughs> yeah. we're going on a run. Yeah. You know what I mean? And right now like that's where i am in my journey no, like i'm it. so tired like i don't want to sacrifice anymore mm-hmm. and i think where i am with shop at next like i'm just happy to be here mm-hmm. you know and i i'm at a place now where i like really trust myself um as a woman like mm-hmm. as a business owner i trust that we're the direction that i'm taking shop Latin next in is one that's going to be very successful i trust that i made the right decision with the hires on my team i trust that the investors on my cap table are the investors that I need to take me to the, this next level. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I trust that my decision-making skills or my deci- mm-hmm. the decisions that I make are come from a place of like love and abundance and it's no longer stems from fear. You know, mm-hmm. in, in order for me to get to this place, like, you know, I had to sit and be still mm-hmm. and enjoy times with friends friends and call my mom and hang out with my brothers and go to their baseball games and really, you know, take long baths and like Mm -hmm. read a book, you know? Um, so Mm -hmm. that's, that's where I am. And yeah. And I, I think for me, it was, I see shop Latinx, like your, our companies, it's kind of like a, they're their own person. Like Mm -hmm. we created them. Um, and now shop Latinx, it's its own entity. It's literally its own, Mm-hmm. c-corp and something i've talked about in the past is like i always say it's i use this word like sacred reciprocity so it's like you know i created shop latinx and and there's this like it's like you know i pour into shop latinx and therefore shop latinx pours into me and pays mm-hmm. me to have a good life and so i'm so grateful that i continue to you know, and, and it's like a relationship now, yeah, you know, yeah. and it's like when you cross a boundary, you know, when you overextend yourself, you know, then you start to build that resentment and then mm. something's like off a little bit, you know, and I had to spend months rebuilding my relationship with my company and I just refused to ever get back to that place with mm-hmm. SLX. Mm-hmm. Um, she and I are doing great now. <laughs> You know, and no, I love that. I love know. that you do that. I think more people should be more insightful about not only their relationship with money, but if they do have a business out there, like what is your relationship with your business and your company? Is it draining you? Is it like 
if, if you're at least going all in and you have that mindset where you're going all in, are you at least enjoying the process, right? Yeah. Um, man, I love that you like really took a step back and like, yo, I got to make sure I take care of me. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, a lot of Latinos, we don't do that, right? We don't like put us first and take mm-hmm. care of ourselves, take care of our mental health, mm-hmm. um, take care of our physical health. Um, man, I love that. I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean... And also with having, like, a great relationship with Shop Latinx, like, it, yeah, it makes me, like, I get excited to, like, mm-hmm. wake up in the morning and, and talk about business, and mm-hmm. I get it, I love to seek inspiration, you know, and I'm working even when it may not look like work, you mm-hmm. know, whether it's me walking around, 100%. you know, the city, and I step into a boutique, you know, and I'm like, yo, this is really inspiring, mm-hmm. you know, or like this, this, this is a Latinx own, like a Latina own handbag, like mm-hmm. who's the owner, let mm-hmm. me follow her on Instagram, like, you know what I mean, let me build a relationship, mm-hmm. you know, me responding back to like my DMs on my personal account, like, that's me building a relationship, yeah. you know, and so when you see all parts of what you do as it's beneficial to the business. Um, I feel like you will just have a deeper appreciation and want your business to be successful, Mm. you know, and some of the boundaries or the, some of the things that I won't do so that I don't, you know, hinder my relationship with shop Latinx is like, I don't really drink, you Mm. know what I mean? Like I don't, go out much Mm -hmm. like you know my outings are very intentional Mm -hmm. like i don't really party a lot you know Mm -hmm. like i want to make sure that i'm in a good mental space Mm -hmm. and i wake up feeling um rejuvenated after a good eight hours of sleep you know so that i can be totally just ready to dive into shop latinx for those five hours that day um so yeah it also comes with some discipline yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I'm the same way. Like, um, if you guys know me, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do none of that. Okay. I, it's been years since oh, I've wow. done any of that. But wow. I have the same mindset. It's just like, I can't afford to wake up on a Saturday morning hungover, a Sunday morning hungover. Mm-hmm. Like, for me, like, we weren't given, uh, you know, the everything in the world. We weren't given, like, a life on a silver spoon and platter, whatever. Um, so, every to me, every day is an opportunity. And I can't. For me, I personally feel like I can't be letting it, I can't let it slip. I can't be like in the wrong state of mind. Like mm-hmm. if I came in here high, you know, we might not have the same quality mm-hmm. conversation, which maybe wouldn't reach the right people. So like I gotta be on point. You know what I'm saying? One thousand so. percent. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think of like old Britney that would like be hung over. Mm-hmm. Dude, I remember like there'll be times like twenty one, twenty two I'd wake up and there's like an empty bag of like jack in a box on my bed. Mm. I'm like still like half in my club clothes and like my mascara. Like, ew, what the fuck? Like, that's fucking gross. You know what I mean? Now it's like I'm in bed by 10. I do my skincare routine. Mm. You know what I mean? I get in my nice crispy sheet sheets in Mm. my bed. You know, I light a, you know, I light a candle or whatever incense and like, I just want to vibe out, you mm-hmm. know, and like, so I think self care, whatever that looks like for you, like is also key. Um, and then I also think like self love is discipline, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and for me, I need to get more disciplined. Um, but I am so I am getting like 10,000 steps a day in with just walking, walking around, around yeah, which has yeah. been fun. Um, I also noticed too that when I was living in Portland, um, I would 
be like really depressed because you know the weather. the weather and so i'm like always was searching for dopamine and mm. i re realized i was spending so much money on like thrifting and mm. like just on food and mm. i was just like even tapping the card was like giving me little shots wow. of like dopamine that is crazy and so yeah. that's something that like my boyfriend called me out on like no we're not gonna go shopping today <laughs> like we're not gonna do that like we need to work on that the apartment that we just mm. moved into so i think yeah it's that's discipline so. like this you know at the top of the year i had a meeting with my i now have a latina financial advisor that um you know, we're talking about like our, you know, the Roth IRA and mm -hmm. all that stuff, which I'm new to, you know, and it's like, to me, I feel like I'm good, you know, mm -hmm. and like now I can go out and have dinner with a friend knowing that like all my shit's good. Everything's you know? good. No, I Everything's love it. Good. No, absolutely. Um, I would love for you to talk. Well, I, I still have a question about. So I always hear when people raise capital, mm -hmm. it's like they raise capital, but where does it go? Like, where is it allocated to? So you don't have to go to the specifics, but like generally speaking, when you raise capital, where do you want to deploy? Is it marketing? Is it like bringing on team members? What does that look like? Yeah. So majority is going to go to hiring. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's going to be to like towards like building the product. So whatever, whether it's like dev costs mm -hmm. or, you know, getting like a product person mm -hmm. to build something out for you. Um, so it'd be like marketing, uh, hiring. I would say it's like, yeah, like the infrastructure, you know, so... Mm -hmm. Um, and then it could be towards like, yeah, web services fees, like whether it's like AWS, like, you know, mm -hmm. Amazon cloud services, Gmail, all of that stuff. And then you typically want to raise for like a, now they say like for a two year runway. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, marketing. So whether it's like events, um, all that stuff Pro yeah. for the actual product itself, yeah. um, all that. Dope, dope. Mm -hmm. And I love for you to touch on Shop Latinx today, like where it stands yeah. today. Um, talk to us about the platform, and then maybe you talk a little bit about where you plan on taking it. You know, whether it's the rest of this year or the next five years or something like that. That's a great question. Yeah. Um, whew. Uh, so earlier when you introduced Shop Latinx, mm -hmm. you said the word marketplace. And mm -hmm. that's something, that's a word that I've been using for the last year and a half to describe Shop Latinx as well. Um, and we're going to actually move away from that term marketplace because when you think of marketplace, you think of Amazon, you mm -hmm. think of Etsy, you think of an open platform. Now we're going to adopt the word retailer. Mm -hmm. Um... And we want to be more of like an e-retailer platform mm -hmm. that has curated products. Um, so with ShopLotNex today, um, and I'm hoping that it will change soon. I just made this amazing hire. When you purchase from three different brands, it would come from, you know, you would get your packages from three different from places. Three different places. Yeah. So yeah. that's not a very branded, cohesive mm -hmm. Um, experience for the customer, right? Mm -hmm. So, because they go on this website and they're expecting, you know, mm -hmm. the Shop Latinx branded, and then the end result is, you know, it's a great, they're great products, but yeah. it's giving Etsy. Mm -hmm. um, so, similar to. Yeah, I seen somebody 
compare y'all to Etsy on some articles. Yeah, yeah, and it's totally valid, right? Okay, I, you know, like, I don't know about that, but... I, I think there was a little bit of confusion, and that was a learning lesson for me mm. over the last year and a half of having Shop What Next. So, mind you, we're, like, still really early, Yeah, you know? And um, so now, like I said, I've talked to... Gosh, I've talked to, like, so many retail experts, vice presidents, whatever, whatever, and... Yeah, now we're going to be a retailer where we're going to have actually all the products in-house and we're going to be focusing on the beauty category mm. and then slowly expanding our categories over the year. Mm. Um, and that's something that I'm really excited about. I think when I think about the future of Shop Latinx, I, it's so funny because someone asked me, like, you know, what, what company or brand did mm. you look at and you were like, oh... Like, if they can do that, I can do that. Mm. And it's Goop. Honestly, it is. Um, are you familiar with Goop? Mm -mm. So Gwyneth Paltrow, ha it's actually owned by Gwyneth Paltrow, mm. and it's like a wellness marketplace mm. that's a little bit controversial. Okay. Um, I wouldn't even say controversial. I would say like more polarizing, mm -hmm. I guess, which is also controversial. But um, it's a wellness marketplace mm. that's catered to a specific demographic which is more of like the affluent mm -hmm. white woman in her 40s but she mm -hmm. has like a cult following and she speaks to this audience where she can sell like she recently sold this like vagina scented candle that's mm. sold out like it's wow. crazy like the following that she has mm -hmm. you know but she has editorial she has curated retail she has a Netflix series, mm. you know, and I would love for Shop Latinx to evolve into something like that where we are storytellers, we have curated products, we tell the, the stories of the brands, and then when a customer makes a purchase, they get a curated, you know, a, a beautifully packaged Shop Latinx branded box of top tier mm. top quality product mm. that are that's made by latinas and latinos mm. um i love that yeah and I, i'm really excited you know like i even think about how shop latinx there's so many um intersections with like music and entertainment mm -hmm. right like bad bunny is headlining coachella that's huge Natural. like what if down the line like i would love to have a partnership with bad bunny mm -hmm. you know or someone like becky g or Carol G, mm -hmm. you know, what would it look like to do something with them? And, you know, we become like, you know, a hype beast or revolve for this young mm -hmm. 25 to 35 Latino, Latina consumer in the United States. Mm -hmm. And there's such a huge opportunity right now. Like, you know, in Latin America, Mexico City, Guatemala City, Colombia, like there are so many emerging amazing designers artisans who want to tap into this u.s market so badly you know and they're probably they're popping in their respective cities you know so what would it look like to introduce those fresh amazing products mm -hmm. into this u.s latino market mm -hmm. via our platform and like i said like i went on a two week trip to mexico city with my boyfriend and you know, I was like using that time to like rest and recalibrate, but also like he and I were hitting up all the, the boutiques, mm. taking pictures of the tags. Mm. And like, to me, that was a form of work, you For know? Sure. And mm -hmm. I wouldn't have gotten to this place had I not really 
taken time for myself and then sit back and like re-strategize and talk to so many people. And even right now, you know, I'm not a retailer expert. I'm fortunate to like Shop Latinx is my Harvard business school. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like people get into Harvard and they sit down and they learn about business. I had the incredible advantage to be given a million dollars to learn on my own. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and through Shop Latinx, something that I'm so passionate about, something that is so near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. And so I got to give myself that grace. For sure. But yeah. again, I'm, I'm at a point now where, you know, I got off the phone with one of my investors recently and he was like, now you're thinking like a retailer. Mm -hmm. Like I knew you'd get here mm -hmm. and it feels really good to get here. Yeah. And I'm so excited for like the future of the brand partnerships we're going to get, the brands that we're going to get in our marketplace, the new products. Um, I, may, I recently made a hire who she's the... She was the former vice president of merchandising at Barney's for mm. 25 years. And she's Latina and she's mm. Puerto Rican. Mm. And I got her. Yeah. <laughs> and she is now consulting with us. And we're re-strategizing wow. everything. And it feels really good to even be able to attract like that type of talent, mm. you know, and the talent's currently on my team. Mm. Mm. So I again, Powerful. I'm just happy to be here yeah. and I'm excited for this next phase of Shop Latinx, it just feels like really clear as day to me now. Mm -hmm. Well, Brittany, I can probably talk to you for another <laughs> like two hours, I'll be honest with you. Uh, but I don't want to keep the boyfriend waiting. Um, <laughs> I, I really appreciate you coming on here. Number one, being transparent yeah. with your life, with you know some of the finances and your business and whatnot. And I just, just appreciate your energy and you being here. Uh, one thing I always ask my guests before they mm -hmm. leave is if you can have anybody in the Latin Wealth podcast, who would it be? And the only exception is you got to know them. You got to have some type of connection with them. Okay. Anybody, if you can recommend anybody to be on the podcast, who would it be? She's my best friend. Mm. And her name is Patty Delgado. Okay. She's the founder of Hija de Tu Madre. It is a Latina lifestyle brand that is doing incredibly well. She has like over, I want to say like a million followers across social. Wow. And I mean, she was the one that got me, that helped uh, get me that apartment in Boyle Heights. Mm -hmm. And she and I were neighbors in the same little um, building. And she and I have just like risen up wow. together and she is just thriving. She's and in I, L.A.? She's in she's in LA. Um, she would be like so dope yeah, to have. We might have to connect with her. Yes, her I'll, I'll do it. Yeah, um, man, Brittany, much love. I appreciate it. Likewise. Where can people find you? Reach out to you. Where can people find Shop Latinx if they want to, you know, shop with y'all? Yeah. And I'll leave the links to everything in the description of this podcast. But go ahead, talk to the people. Um, so you can find me at. My personal is at Chavez Brit on Instagram. And then on for Shop Latinx, it's just Shop Latinx across mm. all socials. Yep, yep. With that being said, you guys know where to find us, at Latin Wealth on Instagram. Go ahead and share this with one other person or family member that needs to hear this. And on that note, it's your boy Chris, and we'll catch you guys next week. Peace.